Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Everybody and welcome for the second time for some people, the first time for the rest of you, to episode number 136 of Linux in the Hamshack. This is what happens when you start talking and forget to press record. So uh, I'm Russ, K5TUX, and uh, with me tonight is Pete, VE2XPL. Good day, eh? <laughs> yep, still a good day, even 10 minutes later, I hope. Even so. Yeah, even it's so. snowing here. Well, we had our snow... Uh, a couple of days ago. Well, yesterday, actually. So We had some yesterday, too. We actually made snowmen today. We had enough snow to make snowmen. Tiny snowmen, but <laughs> snowmen nonetheless. Dwarf snowmen. No, we didn't yeah. have that much snow, unfortunately. So, uh, I was actually just surprised. I'm just, I'm just surprised that it's sticking this, this time of year. Not that it's sticky. I mean, sticking is and it's staying. It's Normally, we've had snow this early in the season before. But usually it falls on the ground and melts instantaneously. But we actually had a couple of inches accumulation, which is really cool. It's, it's very pretty, very Christmas-like. Some freaks even have like their Christmas decorations up already. Oh, there's plenty of those around here as well. So. <laughs> uh, we also have Cheryl with us tonight. As always, usually. Uh, well, as always over the last few episodes anyway. <laughs> as always. That's right. <laughs> and as I was saying before... You know, when I wasn't recording, it's been 14 days since the last episode, and I was in Seattle for eight of those days. And how and, was that? And uh, I already I, know the answer to You that. already know the answer to it. And I, I had fun there, but I did not particularly like the city. And you said you liked the city because it's laid out like Montreal. Well, that means I, I probably don't awesome. like Montreal either. But. <laughs> All right, maybe you won't. But no, I've been to Montreal. Seattle versus Montreal is good. Seattle's got that West Coast thing going on, which is a plus. Yeah, see, to me, that's a minus. Nah, that's all right. Plus and minus evens out. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. All right. So yada yada yada. Boeing. Blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have, have no idea what that was all about. But <laughs> right. we'll spare you the gory deep. We have some topics we should probably get to, and uh, I'm the one who put all of this crap in the etherpad. But I'm not going to be doing all the talking tonight. So we'll start off with one of you two. Who wants to read the first story about amateur oh. radio stuff? I'll let uh, Miss Blue Cows go because this has to do with you American folk. Okay. Okay. Great. I'm glad to <laughs> throw me under the bus. <laughs> I love that enthusiasm. Let's go, Cheryl. Go, go. Okay. Go, go. <laughs> the first story on tap tonight is about the Amateur Radio Parity Act, which is HR four nine six nine. That's, and it that's now par- has... parity and not paro- parody. Gotcha. <laughs> That's right. There's nothing funny about the Amateur just, Radio just Parody wanna, Act. Yeah, just want to make it clear to the listeners. <laughs> and it now has 63 co-sponsors. 16 new co-sponsors signed aboard the 113th Congress, reconvened uh, for its final session before adjournment. H.R. 4969, which was introduced in the U.S. House of Representatives with bipartisan support in late June, would call on the FCC to apply the Reasonable Accommodation three-part test of the PRB one federal preemption policy for uh, to private land use restrictions regarding antennas. Can you tell I don't have my glasses on tonight? Um, (laughs) The limited PRB one preemption 
currently applies only to state and municipal land use ordinances. The FCC has indicated its reluctance to provide same legal protections from private land use agreements without directions from Congress. The League has opened H.R. 4969, and there's more information in the show notes about all of this. It's uh, funny how it's similar here in Canada with the uh, private land use restrictions, uh, antennas, towers, tower heights, and, and the big thing is nobody wants to see a tower because it ruins their pretty little neighborhoods. But then when the proverbial itche hits the anfe, well, then everybody's going to be looking for, you know, that ham radio operator who can communicate because all the other systems are down. Yep. This is good, though, because uh, we reported a few episodes back that they were up to 16 less than they have now. But now Mm -hmm. we're up to 63. So there's a whole bunch of people getting behind this. And as we said before, definitely needs your support. So if you're in tune with politics and like to call Congress or your House of Representative type folks, then uh, please do so. Uh, It's interesting because you see cell phone towers every street corner, you know, everywhere where there's a McDonald's, but you're not allowed to put up your 40-foot tower in your backyard. Yeah, it is a little nuts. For more information about this, you can go to www.arrl.org slash hr-4969, specifically about this particular resolution. And uh, the link to the article where you can read more information about it will be in the show notes as well. We won't read that one because it's way too long. Okay, don't do that if you don't want to. We gave you this Cliff Notes version anyway. Well, I can. I just won't spell it out. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to... Not the link. <laughs> <laughs> the, art, the article's not that long, but the link is rather lengthy, so... <laughs> I, I just don't understand people who make links like this. It's like arl.org slash news slash amateur-radio-parody-act-of-2014-attracts-more-then-a-dozen-new-co-sponsors. It just could have been a little bit more efficient. It's a content management system. It just does it automatically. So It's just a big waste of letters. It is. And since you <laughs> just are wasting letters, waste some more and read the next story. Waste, yeah, waste some words while I'm at it and right. my breath. And this one is awesome. Uh, resurgent old sunspot crackles with flares. Back up for a second trip across the face of the sun. Old spun, sun, spun spot. SpongeBob SquarePants. Old sunspot AR2192. Ah, good old AR2192 is back. Scrolling again and crackling with M-class solar flares. So uh, be prepared to have your communications disrupted, folks. The active region Regen has an unstable magnetic field, harbors energy uh, for even stronger X-flares uh, than the last times, I assume. Future eruptions could affect Earth. Uh, well, not could. They will affect Earth. Uh, they, they all do. It's just some, you know, are noticeable and some are much less noticeable. So um, it says that it could affect Earth as the sunspot turns towards the planet in the days ahead. So uh, you can get uh, that article from uh, Southgate uh, Amateur Radio uh, News, uh, southgatearc.org uh, slash news slash 2014 slash November. So basically this month's news and uh, read all about it. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. I remember uh, when this one came around last time, and, and I'm just trying to remember when it was. I know it wasn't too, too long ago. It actually had uh, quite a bit of disruption, and, and I just remember a lot of hams talking about it, how they couldn't couldn't communicate, eh? Uh, it's just very noisy, and it's just, I don't know. I think it's kind of neat. It's actually really cool if you go onto NASA's website, and I need to find the link, but they have an animation somewhere 
of what the solar flare actually does to the protective bubble around the earth and it kind of you know this the solar flare explodes and and everything hurls towards the earth and basically there's this protective layer so that we don't all get baked and it kind of stretches it out so that it's shaped like kind of an egg and i don't know it was a really neat animation i gotta find that put it in the show notes yeah if you do definitely put it in there that's very cool people don't understand how it works and of course you can't see it if you're standing in space not that you could but if you were and you're looking at it you wouldn't see anything because this is all invisible to the naked eye so this is why this is where the animation comes in but it, it just makes you comprehend really really well the phenomenon if you could see an x-ray as you'd probably see it well i can but most people can't oh i see well you can tell you can describe it when it happens so it's those x-ray specs that i ordered at the back of my uh, x-men comics when i was a kid i still have them oh that's funny because the ones i got didn't work yeah. <laughs> you mean those uh those cardboard glasses with the slots in them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh well that story led me over to spaceweather.com and there was another story there about the fact that tonight and presumably into tomorrow for those people listening live we will be going through a uh, weakened version of the Leonid meter meteor shower meter meteor shower. Today that's uh, November 17th for uh, those of you who are paying attention. The Earth is passing through a stream of debris from Comet 55P slash Temple Tuttle, source of the annual Leonid Meteor Shower. Uh, people who remember the Leonid Meteor storms of the late 90s and early 2000s should know that this is not a storm year. Forecasters expect no more than 15 Leonids per hour dur during the dark skies before local sunrise. So if you're listening to this now and you like looking at meteors, and who doesn't, uh, go out and check that out. Yeah, they're cool. Actually... Even in a non-meteor shower period, if you sit out on the hood of your car, like many of us like to do in the summer in the country, uh, you'll see one once in a while. Unfortunately, I'm in the city and I will not be able to see them. Uh, one, because there's way too many lights. Two, because it's snowing and I can't see the stars tonight anyways. But, uh, yeah, if you can, uh, definitely get out there. It's, it's, always, it's, it's just really cool. Maybe yeah. you could wish upon one and your wish will come true. Well, I'll give that a shot. Is and, it uh, cloudy there? Uh, no, it's actually nice here right now, at least last time I checked. So. And will you be up before sunrise? Um, maybe. Well, there you go. Yep. There's your chance. And if I am, I will check it out. And also, go ahead and check out spaceweather.com. It's a very cool site. Everything on yeah. there is just amazing. You need to go there and look at it. Absolutely. That's an awesome site. I love that site. I have it bookmarked. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, from amateur radio topics to Linux topics. Yay. Yeah. Our first Linux topic is uh, a great one that I found the other day, and I've actually heard this uh, from a couple sources, but I picked up this source, or this story from ZDNet, uh, and the title is Microsoft Loves Linux. They do. They do. They do now, anyway. Uh, if, you, uh, if you read the story, you'll know that they didn't always. <laughs> no. Uh, but my little excerpt here goes like this. There's nothing new about Linux, which is which at 22 is old enough to drink. But two things are new. First, Microsoft's fortunes now lie not with the desktop or desktop programs, but with its Azure cloud and cloud-based programs such as Office 365. And I know the word is Azure, but they pronounce it Azure. Second, Linux, even on the Azure cloud, is used by Azure. businesses large and small. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella admitted that 20% of the operating systems on Azure are Linux. Azure. Azure. 
I'll just be your shadow on my face. <laughs> good. I, I sure hope it comes up again. <laughs> oh, it does in the next. It does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I scratched his tea. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, me either. Strangely, uh, Strange. the That's the true. the, o- the o- I don't know. The open source operating system is already contributing a lot to Microsoft's bottom line. <laughs> I'm already anticipating. <laughs> uh, today, Azure. Azure. <laughs> All right, carry on. <laughs> While it doesn't support the top business Linux, Red Hat Enterprise Linux, RHEL. It already supports CoreOS Linux, CentOS, Oracle Linux, SUSE, and Ubuntu. At the same time, Microsoft is acutely aware that Azure is the only purely proprietary cloud out there. All its competition, Amazon Web Services, Google Compute, OpenStack, etc., all run on Linux and offer Linux server services. Had Microsoft insisted on the Windows way or the highway, they wouldn't stand a chance. Indeed. So there you Both go. Let's see the light. Microsoft buckles and says Linux is here to stay. It's about time, definitely. But is it really is Azure really the only purely proprietary cloud? Um, well, according to this article, it is, but I haven't done I, any research to confirm that. I don't know. I, th- I thought there was more than one. I know there's more than one cloud, but um, I just, I don't know. I, I'd have to research that, too. That's interesting. I've never really actually given it any thought. Yep, nor have I. But there you go. So Microsoft loves Linux. Yay. Maybe somebody can enlighten us in the chat room. Mm-hmm. Link to that story if you want to read the whole thing. It will be in the show notes. I also found this uh, story on datamation.com about the nine best Linux distros. Now, of course, everybody gets into distro wars when they talk about their favorite distros. But this is according to datamation.com. The nine best distros. The best Linux distro for you may not be the best Linux distro for another user. Many Linux users are distro hoppers, regularly moving from distribution to distribution. Some may be looking for the perfect distro, while others are simply curious about the latest Linux developments. Which distribution should distro hoppers be looking at? While that depends what they are looking for, those looking for reliable distros for everyday use should be looking at. And they gave this list in alphabetical order, uh, not in rank order. Uh, take these as you will. But their list of nine is Bodhi Linux, Debian, Elementary, Fedora, Linux Mint, Magia, Manjaro, OpenSUSE, and Ubuntu. Surprise, uh, Mint's not in there. Linux Mint's right oh, there mind, in the middle. Never mind. Right there in the middle. Linux <laughs> I said Mint. nothing. Strike that from the record, please. <laughs> okay. I just totally skipped over that one. So, skipped over it in your head because I definitely read it. I know. I know. <laughs> never mind. Just ignore me. So uh, if anybody is wondering what kind of distribution they might want to use in their hamshack, maybe try one of those nine. And I can certainly recommend Debian, Linux, Mint, and Manjaro uh, for sure, because I like all of those. The only problem for ham radio operators might be that Manjaro doesn't actually have repositories because it's based on Arch Linux. It's interesting because I've often thought of throwing one of these stories into the show notes as well. You know, the best Linux distros, you run across articles all the time. And then I'm like, but according to who? You could debate this for like a billion years and nobody's right. You know, nobody's wrong. It's, it's all very arbitrary. So I've never even bothered putting in anybody's opinions on who the best Linux distros are. And we talk about it all the time. This is good. That's not good. I like this because I don't like that because. So I, I just thought it was interesting when you threw that in there. Yeah, I, 
I don't just, know half of these. Yeah, it's a it's a fairly concise list, and I I know all of these, and I've used all of them at one point or another, and I do believe that they do fit into the sort of stable category. And most of them, if not all of them, actually looking down the list, all of them, in fact, are very easy to install and get up and running. Uh, for oh, Linux cool. or for ham radio operators, though, you know, some of them are not going to be as easy. Like uh, like I said, Manjaro and um, well, actually, all of them should be easy except for Manjaro. But there is some there is like a ham radio wiki I believe for Arch as well. So you could use any of these for ham radio without too much trouble. So the link to that will be in the show notes. And if you're interested in trying something new or just uh, want something to jump onto, you know, give one of those a try. And of course, there's a thousand other ones out there too. I'm trying to decide if I want to do the next thing before the music or after the music. But I'm going to move segment three to after the music because segment three may may go a little long. I'll queue up the music here. Uh, the music is. A oh, fresh body shop. Awesome. I love these guys. Yes. Yes. And that's interesting you should say that because remember in the last episode, I told you about Donovan Bali and his list, uh, which goes on a scale from Russ to Pete. Yep. <laughs> right. Well, well, the uh, the song from last week was at the far end of the uh, Russ side of the scale. This one Although he Pete's put. Pete's ears didn't bleed last year. That's last right. Week, so it was all right. This track is at the extreme Pete end of the scale. <laughs> oh, God. On his scale. So, and I have not listened to this yet, but I do like Fresh Body Shop. So I think we'll probably both be okay with this. Yeah, they're actually pretty cool. I like them. So let's see. Let's see if he's, if the, if the, if he's right. Let's see if he's right. The song is I'll called Let, Let You Know from the album Let You Know, which came out in 2012. Uh, these guys are from France, and the song is just a shade under three minutes long. So we'll go ahead and play it here, and uh, we'll talk about some more Linux in the Ham Shack when we come back.
I think that might have ended before it was supposed to end, but that's all there was. And Pete's muted. Yes, yes, he is. I can hear you talking through the mute. You can, seriously? <laughs> no. Well, <you're> <laughs> so was that uh, Pete-ish? Nah. No? That wasn't one of their best. It was a little, it was okay. It was a little uh, too 80s for me. You don't like the 80s? I, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not very much. Oh, that's okay. Horrible, horrible time in my life. No, I don't know. Um, it was okay. It was, it was, it was happy. It was bouncy. It was cute. It was cute. Yeah, kind of. Honestly, I preferred last week's tune. Uh, yeah, those two. I, I did too, as well. All right, so, uh, enough of that. It wasn't that good, so we'll move on. <laughs> we'll never speak of it again. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to do a quick introduction here to Free DV. This is a thing we have talked about before. We actually talked with David Rowe about Free DV and Codec Two which is the voice codec that FreeDV uses. And what this is designed for is digital voice communications over HF. So I decided that I would check it out and see the state of progress that FreeDV has made. And it has made significant progress, as a matter of fact. The current version is 0.96.6, so it's getting dangerously close to a 1.0. They have actually packaged this thing up finally. You don't have to do source installs anymore. You can get installers for FreeDV for Windows, for Mac OS, Debian and Ubuntu, Red Hat, Fedora, and there will soon be one for Android. And what's really nice about it, especially for me who uses Debian and Ubuntu, or Linux Mint, not Ubuntu specifically, they have repos where you just add your repo to your sources.list.d directory, and you can app-get install FreeDV. It puts the launcher into your menu, and it's pretty much ready to go out of the box. It requires very minimal configuration, at least as far as the software is concerned. But there are some interesting things to note about the hardware configuration of FreeDV. Because it uses the Codec 2 encoder and decoder, the way this thing is structured, you have to use two audio devices in your computer if you want to transmit and receive. If you simply want to receive, you only need one. That means you have to have two sound cards of some kind. Now, the easiest way to do this, and the way they recommend, is to have one sound card and then one, you know, interface device, like a Signal Link or a Rascal GLX or something like that, and then a USB headset. That can be your second sound card device. Now, the reason this has, you know, the reason this needs to be set up this way is because what happens is you have a digital communication link between your radio and your computer, and then you have the encoder and decoder on your computer, and then you have another digital link between that encoder and the other sound device. In this case, imagine it being your headphones. When you set this thing up, basically what happens is you set it up so that the input from your microphone is directed to the input of your ham radio, one device going to the next device, and then the reverse is true. The radio or the audio coming out of your radio goes into one sound card, and then it is decoded and transmitted to the other sound card, which goes into the headphone jack or the output of your headset to your speakers. It may be a little hard to wrap your head around that, but if you look at the documentation, it's actually pretty simple. The configuration for FreeDV is um, a GUI. 
So if you have your X Windows, you know, going, you can uh, just fire it up, click on the FreeDV, or just run FreeDV from the command line. It uh, brings up a GTK style window. It looks a lot like any of the other digital mode communication type software you've seen before, particularly for Linux. It has a waterfall display. It has a push to talk button. It has squelch and a frequency counter. And uh, it also has various other ways where you can visualize the audio pattern that's coming in on your sound card. So what happens is you launch FreeDV, you go in and you configure which sound cards you want to be input from the radio, output to your headphones, input from your microphone, output back to the radio. Once you've done that, you have the option of setting like your call sign or a string of basic information because that is sent along in the digital carrier with your voice. And then on the receiving end of anybody listening to the signal, it will be printed out as text below the uh, waterfall display. So then what you do is you can tune to one of the various frequencies where people often go to uh, have QSOs on FreeDV. There are several like calling frequencies. One is 14.236 on 20 meters, and there are several others. If you go to qso.k7ve.org, that's kilo7victorecho.org, they actually have a thing where you can log in via the website, and it's kind of like a DX cluster, but for FreeDV. So you just log in there with your call sign, and you will get an interface where you can interact with other people who are using that service, and it will tell you what frequency they are on, whether they're USB or LSB, because this is a single sideband transmission mode, and uh, what frequencies they're on so you can find them and hook up. Otherwise, you can just go to one of the calling frequencies, and they're all listed on that web page if you go there, uh, and just pick one of those and tune in and see if you can hear anything. Now, I had this thing fired up from the time I downloaded the software to the time I was actually on FreeDV listening to a decoded message and trying to call CQ out there. It took an hour, and that involved a trip to Walmart and back to buy a USB headset. So it doesn't take very long. And if you already have two sound devices, it'll be much quicker. It's, it's really simple to use. And when you, when you finally get a signal, when a signal comes in and is decoded for you, it is crystal clear. Of course, it's highly compressed, so the, the voices sound a little bit weird. But they are silent, dead silent, like an FM broadcast. Um, because, as you know, it's purely digital, even though it's ha- happening over an analog medium. The program squelches out the audio signal and only gives you the decoded FreeDV messages once they're... That's interesting. It's, it's very cool, though. Yeah, no, because I was wondering, how could it be? If it's really noisy, you know, let's say there's a sunspot, like the one that's coming up, uh, and there's crazy noise, I would have thought, okay, you have your fully quieted digital signal, but you have to have that noise in the background. But I guess if it's squelched, that's, uh, that's cool. Well, it works in the same way as PSK, though. You don't hear yes, any noise. Well, that's, that's what I get. Right. You don't that's hear any that's, that's, noise from the PSK, even though there's noise there. So what happens is, you know, the the audio is pulled out of the noise and then is decoded into just the carrier signal and the audio that's on the carrier, and you don't hear any of the rest of it. So it's very cool. It says it can operate in as low as 2 dB of SNR. They, they recommend more than that. But if you have just two, it it can work. The only other, let's see, 
there was one other thing that was a little weird about it is when when there is no signal being decoded by the application, the waterfall just looks like noise. So, like with PSK, you'll get a you can get a signal browser and you can actually see the little lines as they go down the waterfall. So you can kind of pick on one to decode. The FreeDV signal is actually fairly wide. When it's not actually hearing anything, it just looks like noise. There's nothing for you to center on. But as soon as there is something for it to code, the waterfall changes entirely into a wide waveform. And then you just click on the center of the waveform and it will decode the audio for you. The other thing they recommend is since it's a digital mode, quote unquote digital mode, they recommend that you turn your power down because it's full duty cycle. Once you key up, it's not like sideband where the it's voice modulated carrier. Once you key up a free DV signal, your transmitter is on. So uh, they recommend like 25 to 30 watts power uh, for a barefoot radio because it's a hundred percent duty cycle. Uh, just keep that in mind. And like I said, when I got on, it took me a minute to figure out that when I wasn't seeing a signal, there just wasn't anything. And then once I got a signal, it the display actually flipped over into something that you could recognize uh, a pattern that looks like a free DV signal. And as soon as that happened, I got crystal clear audio. Uh, I can't remember the call sign of the guy who was talking, but it came in crystal clear, and now I'm hearing audio back to me. So that's a little bit of an example. Could you hear that? Yeah, I could hear that. I could actually hear myself talking over it at first, too. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, we... sorry about that. But yeah, no, that's actually, that's that's really clear. It's amazing. You could hear the compression a bit. I wish I had taken a recording of the of what I was heard earlier because it sounded pretty much just like that. But that's exactly what you hear. Even on a noisy 20-meter band, it sounds crystal clear just like that. So it was very cool <laughs> as Pete goes on listening to uh, Codec 2 decoded audio. That's pretty cool. Well, just to give the listeners a little bit of a feel for what it sounds like. Um, if, you, you if you go to the website for Codec 2, if you just do a Google for Codec 2 and go to their website, they have some example audio, so you can get a sense of what it what it sounds like when you compress audio down to Codec 2. Yeah, that's, that's actually a lot better than I thought. Yeah, considering how narrow the bandwidth is for that particular signal, yeah, it's pretty clear. And that's what they've been working so hard on with Codec 2, is to minimize the amount of bandwidth required to get fully audible, you know, fully listenable speech audio. Right. Um, for use with free DV. And they've come a long way. It's, it's really cool. Give it a shot. That's cool. I'm going to go play with that. You definitely should because when I was on there over at that little DX cluster thing for free DV, uh, k7ve.org, there were only like six people on there. So there are not a lot of people using this. So if you want to get in on the ground floor and check out a new technology, uh, and make a QSO, uh, perhaps with me or with Pete, check it out. Just remember that you've got to download the software. You have to do the install. It's available for lots of platforms and already packaged. So that's a lot easier now. Uh, simple setup. You just have to make sure you get your head around the, the routing of the audio between your two audio devices. Set up your PTT properly. It supports Hamlib, you know, just serial port PTT and stuff because it doesn't have to coordinate like PSK with the frequency and bringing up and everything. It's just, it, it's just basically push a button. So you don't even have to push a button. You could key up manually, but you do have to, the software has to know when you're actually transmitting. So it's easier just to make sure your PTT is working. Once you do that, set up your optional call sign information, get on the QSO finder, 
and try and make contact. Make sure you uh, turn your duty cycle down. Uh, there's lots of great documentation at freedv.org. That's Foxtrot Romeo Echo Echo Delta Victor.org. Quick start guide, lots of in-depth tutorials and stuff like that. There are even some video tutorials on how to get up and running with it. And like I said, you know, even counting a round trip to Walmart to buy a second audio device, I was listening and trying to make contact on FreeDV in under an hour. Definitely something you should give a go, and uh, hopefully we can talk on FreeDV soon. Pete? Coming soon to a frequency <laughs> near you. That's right, and you can use it on any HF band you have voice privileges on. So whatever that is in your particular country, you know, because some people have different voice privileges than other people. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, anyway, check out FreeDV because it's very cool. And uh, I'm going to play around with it some more. And it's free. And it's free. That's the best part. Yep. The whole thing is free. All of it's free. And for any platform, even if you're a Windows user, you can use it too. <sighs> and we'll still talk to you. If we'll you're still Windows talk user. to you. Yep. You just don't tell us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get some good natured ribbon, but. Right. Or maybe not good natured. You'll find out soon enough. <laughs> All right. So on we go to uh, announcements and feedback. That's right, folks. We're already most of the way through the show. We're uh, screaming through here. <laughs> screaming. So um, we got some announcements. This one, this first one actually came to me from a while back. Um, we have a listener, a longtime listener, Rubens Kinjo. He's over in Japan. He listens to us every episode. And he does art. He's an artist, an artiste, if you will. Uh, he does a lot of uh, comic-type art, anime-type stuff, and uh, he's also a photographer. And he has decided that he's going to put his stuff out there for everyone to use. And he sent me an email and asked me to uh, let folks know. Or I'm not sure he actually wanted me to let folks know, but since he's making everything Creative Commons, I'm letting you all know. Uh, he says, Russ, how are you doing? Listen, I realized recently that share is the key. So I was thinking about the subject for some time and finally decided to license all my artwork under cc-sa-nc-dv licensing. And if you want, you know, more about that, just look up Creative Commons. Uh, to tell the truth, he says, I am still making the move and I'm not done yet. But the good news are that all my photos on Flickr are already licensed under Creative Commons and that's why I'm contacting you. If you have some time, please take a look at my Flickr page and feel free to use any image you like. And that's at https colon stroke stroke www.flickr.com slash photos slash rukin Romeo Uniform at Kilo India November. He says, as soon as my artwork is licensed under Creative Commons, I'll let you know. And by the way, when are you guys planning to be back on track? I mean the podcast. I'm missing you guys. Hope you don't take too much longer. Cheers. this is an old email. Yeah, it's a couple of months old. Uh, cheers from Rukin. So anyway. We're back. That's right. We are back. Surprise. <laughs> Which you probably should know by now. But anyway. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. So hopefully all of this stuff is licensed now and he's got everything converted over. And I've taken a look at some of his artwork and it's it's pretty neat. If you want to check out his photography and his artwork and uh, use any of his stuff, it's all Creative Commons licensed. So check it out. Cool. Good on you. That's yep. awesome. Here, Pete, you can do the next couple. Um. <laughs> <laughs> or you can do one and Cheryl can do one. I'll let you decide. All right. Comment on episode number 134 from Frank, K4FMH. Uh, who says, a really good explanation of AllStarNet uh, would be a welcome segment. Oh, that's a good point. I like the new segmented format. Well, thanks. Uh, by the way, the Lot of Linux Links podcast is, unfortunately, deprecated. See your podcast list. 73 
from Frank K4FMH. That's good. Yeah, All Star Net would be uh, an interesting uh, subject for sure. I've uh, often pondered that myself. I was just asking many guys. I don't really know a whole lot about it, so doing a bit of research would probably be good for me. Yeah, it probably would. And since we asked in the last episode if anyone used All Star Link and whether or not we should pursue it, I guess this is an answer to that question. And regarding a lot of Linux links, yes, there probably are more links actually on our website that are no longer active. So I will definitely go through the list and call out anything that's no longer relevant. And it's too bad about a lot of Linux links. That was a good show. I never listened to that one. Well, now you don't have to worry about it because it's not around anymore. (laughs) Yeah, now I I won't. (laughs) Yes. All right. Anyway, thanks, Frank. Thanks for writing in. And uh, 7-3 to you as well. So, Cheryl, do you want to do this last one? Sure, I guess. Okay. So, I still don't have my glasses on, though. That's a short um, one. So just bear with me. Um, this comment came in via Google Plus from Bruce, K-A-1-M-V-D. And he says, I just looked at this community. My name is Bruce, K-A-1-M-V-D. Since I use Linux and love the concept of Linux, I'm looking forward to whatever I can learn from you all by following your posts. That's very cool. And I uh, sent a welcome over there on the Linux in the Hamshack Google Plus community to Bruce, K1MVD. And I encourage you all, if you are not a member of the Linux in the Hamshack Google Plus community and you do happen to use Google Plus, you should go ahead and sign up because uh, there's uh, actually a fair amount of chatter over there. Lots of people looking for information or talking about what they're doing with ham radio and Linux. And it's uh, kind of cool to keep up with. So if you get a chance, go over there and try it out. Yeah, I'm not on Google Plus enough. I'm on there, but just not regularly. I'm, I have two Gmail accounts that I love. I've actually started using Google Calendar recently, uh, which I'm just infatuated with. I think it's the best thing since sliced bread. Um, long story short, uh, budget cuts. I work uh, for a government institution. They have done away with our paper agendas, and I have the kind of job where I need an agenda to keep track of appointments and things that I need to do. So uh, one of my friends recently just, you know, said, well, why don't you try uh, Google calendars? It's really good. Um, and, and I love it. I just can't get enough of it. I upload everything. I, I sync it to my phone. I have my schedule with me anytime I want. It's awesome. So yeah, I got to get on Google plus a bit more. It's uh, it's really seems to be happening over there. Yep. Very cool. And I don't spend enough time over there either. So I'll I'll do more of that when I can. There's so many social media that are interesting and that have things happening. Um, You just can't be on them all unless you don't have a job. And unfortunately, I have to have a job to uh, eat and stuff. I don't have a job and I don't have time for all of them. I'm on Facebook. But but you you cook. Well, no, not really. See, this is the thing. (laughs) I like to cook, but I don't cook during the week because Russ isn't home. You know, my dinner today was chips and salsa. That was oh, dinner. that's like the breakfast. You know, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> because I don't, I don't see any need of spending the time in the kitchen to cook a meal. I have to waste the time to clean it up. It, it's just my my mentality on that. But right. you know, and when Russ is home on the weekends, it's our weekends are usually packed full of running errands and stuff that I don't get done during the week. So we end up eating out a lot. So. Cooking in the house doesn't happen very often, which is kind of sad. But I don't, I'm on Facebook all the time because I've got a Facebook app on my phone. And I've never really fallen in love with Google Plus. 
I've got people that are bugging me about, you know, come hang out on Google Plus with us. But to me, it's so much different than Facebook. And I'm super familiar with Facebook and not with Google Plus. And it's actually kind of a pain in my butt trying to figure out how to do stuff on Google Plus sometimes. Yeah, so, that's, that's one thing that I have to say. It's some of the stuff on Google isn't always intuitive. Once you know it, you know it. But I, you know, I'd like to talk to the Google people and 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 figure out what they're thinking sometimes because it's just as simple as sometimes I go into my uh, I, from my email, I go into my settings, and then I I can't find the button to get back to my damn emails. So I end up closing the program and starting over, like re-logging in. You know, <laughs> I can't find the bloody button. It's like what the hell? You go into your settings, but you can't get out. It's kind of right. like the, you feel like you're in the children of the corn. Maybe that was their goal. <laughs> who knows from dust till dawn sorry I've been watching the old Tarantino flicks all week too I'm on a Tarantino film festival oh yeah we're just talking about everything and nothing <laughs> oh, I like that's fine. Tarantino too so I do like well most Tarantino not all Tarantino not all so what don't we look okay, at let's have an argument because you're going to like what I don't like I'll bet what do you not like I I wasn't uh, particularly fond of his uh, grindhouse offering. Oh, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> grindhouse was awesome. The beauty of grindhouse is it's it, it sucks. It's got that B movie feel. You know the grain going through the film, just the whole unbelievableness of it. It's like it, it's it's kind of a genius thing. I I just I always liked B movies from you know the fifties and sixties. So uh, I thought that was you know that the acting is is you know purposely pathetic <laughs> yeah. i thought it was pretty cool and uh, the chick with the gun for a leg come on that's epic <laughs> I, I understand the point of the movie i'm just i didn't really enjoy it that much i did i enjoyed it tremendously not my favorite not my favorite but i loved it my my all-time favorite tarantino flick is uh, reservoir dog and one of my all-time favorite movies for that I think it's a, it's, it's really a toss-up for me between Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. I just uh, I have a hard time deciding between those two. Yeah, Pulp Fiction is good. Uh, much later, not much later in his career, but a bit a bit later in his career. Uh, but definitely, definitely a good one. Anyhow, yep. Anyhow. Yeah, well, must have watched like five or six of them last week. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot to do last weekend, so we decided uh, over the course of the weekend we'd do a mini Tarantino film festival. Well, I have yet to watch Jackie Brown, so I'm going to do that one of these oh, days. I just bought that one this week. That's another good one. Watched both Kill Bills, classic. So, because one of my friends had never seen any Tarantino flick, and you know, first of all, we had to slap him. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I have a bunch of them, so I'm like, you haven't? You what? You haven't? What, what are you talking about? So uh, we introduced, you know, the first one being Pulp Fiction to him. I thought that would be a good one for him to see. So, you know. It, some of them you could be on the fence with, so I figured, well, Pulp Fiction will be a good one, and we'll get him hooked. Sure enough, he's hooked. Actually, I take that back. I think I think my favorite one is Inglorious Bastards. Well, that's a good one too. I like that one. Um, not my favorite, but definitely, uh, I, I like Kill Bill a lot. It's not my favorite, but I'm I'm a big fan of uh, the old kung fu movies from from you know the '70s, that whole era. Uh, so, and I like the way that one was was shot. Well, I think the thing that made Inglorious Bastards for me was Christoph Waltz is just unbelievable in that movie. Yeah, no, that's definitely a good. Uh, it's, it's yeah, especially because it has a component of truth to it. It's a little scary. All right, we should scary, probably move on to uh, from our uh, from our uh, movie review, our Tarantino hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's going to be a new segment. Well, we could we could always do a TNL if you wanted to uh, talk to me about if you wanted to get on and just talk about Tarantino. Uh, that's what Tech and Loathing is for. All the stuff that doesn't fit here. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, uh, I'll just cut this segment out and you could transfer it over there. Okay, sounds good. Except I would I would want to talk much more in depth about it than that. <laughs> okay, well I'll have to make a guest appearance if ever you'll have me. When do you do that one? Just out of um, curiosity. I'm, I'm horrible. I've never actually done it. That's okay. I haven't done one in like a year, so I, oh, I, I need oh, to so get I'm back to it. Bad. Well, maybe that, that's your excuse. We'll get on and we'll do one. All right. Sounds good. But with that, we got to get back to this show and we'll let yeah. Cheryl do her bit because it's all her for the next little while. Yeah, I'm still not sure that anybody actually wants to hear my babbles about cooking, but okay, whatever. I do. So, eh, anyway. Um, so, since the U.S. is in the process of uh, counting down to our Thanksgiving celebration, which will be Thursday the 27th. Ours um, just passed, by the way, for those who Yeah, are yours, yours just passed. Not so. yep. Yeah, well, you know. So, do you guys celebrate as big as we do? I don't know some people probably do i don't know that it's as big it's definitely uh well celebrated you know turkey the trimmings the whole bit um i'm assuming and somebody will correct me most likely but i'm assuming that your thanksgiving is later than ours because our country is colder and our harvest is way before and thanksgiving you know being giving thanks for the harvest i'm assuming that's why yours is a little bit later unless you live in upstate new york in which case well Yeah, well, currently it is 15 degrees outside with snow on the ground, and it's the middle of November. Something is wrong with us. The, you know, evening lows this time of year is around 40, daytime highs in the 60s. So I, I'm thinking our harvest should have been a month ago. <laughs> it's like, wow, it's 36 here. I didn't think it was that hot. Uh, great. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's melting. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, carry on. Okay, anyway. So I've been uh, working on the menu for our Thanksgiving dinner. It's just going to be Russ and I, but yeah, I'd like to do something a little more spectacular in the kitchen, you know, besides like a bologna sandwich. But anyway, so... I'm sure Russ will appreciate that. Yeah, because he's not a big fan of bologna. Loves hot dogs. What? I love bologna. Yeah, I know. He likes hot dogs, but he doesn't like bologna. I'm not I sure like what's up with that. I like hot dogs, too. Bologna's uh, great. See, me and bologna have a long history, but we'll keep that one for tech and loathing, too. <laughs> See, I like fried bologna sandwiches. Oh, so. I know. Hey, don't you? Isn't that, like, the best? Yes. Fried garlic bologna? <laughs> oh, garlic bologna. Oh, I know. Yum. <laughs> <laughs> We're way right. off topic. Yeah, way, way, way off topic. So, anyway... My my downfall when it comes to holiday dinners is the dinner rolls. And in the past, I have uh, been lazy and grabbed a package of store-made rolls. But this year, I'm going to make my own. And my recipe this week is for 30-minute yeast dinner rolls. And to go along with those, I have two different butters, a honey pecan butter and a honey cinnamon butter that I'm going to share the recipes with. So... There you go. The uh, the recipe link will be in the show notes. And if anybody doesn't like this segment, send off some uh, feedback to Russ because you know I'm doesn't really fit into Linux and AM radio. I'm just saying. Well, that's so. kind of the point. Sometimes it's nice just to have a break. Okay. So since since dinner is going to be super chaotic on next Thursday, are you going to video 
me making rolls or anything? Oh, I probably will. Am I going to get to video you making the rolls? I don't know. We'll yeah, we'll do yeah, something yeah. fun. It will it will be fun no matter what. And besides, even though you know the show is about Linux and ham radio, people need to eat. Everybody's interested in food. I don't care That's who what you McDonald's are. McDonald's is for. Nah, no, McDonald's is not interesting. <laughs> oh, I don't know. In some places it is. They have lobster rolls in some places. Yeah, in the Maritimes they have lobster rolls at the at McDonald's. So, uh, well, McDonald's. The beauty of McDonald's, if there is one, is that they let the franchises do if they want some local stuff. So, if you go to different McDonald's in different places, you'll find some of the local. You know, like here in Quebec, they have poutine. Um, and in in the Maritimes, they'll have lobster rolls, and probably in in places like Maine and stuff like that. So, I always thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, well, they don't—they don't, they don't have lobster rolls at the McDonald's in Maine. Oh, they don't? No, they don't. I've been to them. They don't. Okay, well, you got to come to New Brunswick then. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you know, when you're in uh, Presque Isle, you could just kind of pop pop on over, and uh, we'll split one. Well, next time I'm there, I'll I will do that. Cool. Links to all of Cheryl's recipes will be in the show notes, and if there are videos, links to those will be there as well. And you can also subscribe to her YouTube channel. And uh, if there is not a link to that somewhere on the website, there will be soon. But uh, you're not done yet because we're at our social media roundup and you get to do that as well. So, Woohoo! Yeah, well, it's a very quick list this week. So in our uh, donations and subscriptions category, we have Scott Pettigrew, Bill Arcand, and Jeremy Hall. Nobody joined us on Facebook. In Google+, Plus, we have Mogens Peterson and David Gwynn. And on Twitter, we have HamspiritDE. Nobody joined the mailing list. Uh, Luke Nokis, I'm taking a stab at that last name, joined us on YouTube. And that's it. Very short list this week. Yeah. Wouldn't that be Noakes? I, I thought it was Noakes, too, but, you know, who knows? Okay, Unless well, he's not American. Be, it it could be Noakes. It could be Nokis. It could be... could be no aches. No. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him. I have lots of aches. Maybe he's a chiropractor. Perhaps. We we live near within like three miles of a German community, and it is amazing some of the different uh, pronunciations of names. And even if a name is spelled the same way, every family will pronounce it a little differently. It's, it's always interesting trying to remember who's the Schmidleys and the Schmidleys and et cetera. So yeah, yeah. that's like Charday, you know, or you remember that artist from the nineties, Charday? It was yeah. like spelled Sade. Right, it's, yeah. It's pronounced Charday. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks guys, but that is it. We've come to the end of the show already. I know. Boo. But. <laughs> we'll have to wait another fortnight. That's right. It shall be another fortnight until we have more content. But there will be more content. We just don't know what it is yet, but there will be content some. Content happens. <laughs> yeah, kind of like this show. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. good. All right. So with that, I guess I'm going to start up the outro music and uh, do the outro. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. This has been episode number 136 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And uh, between now and the next fortnight, you can do some stuff if you want to. You can become an LHS ambassador. You can visit the website for upcoming events and information on how you can represent Linux in the Ham Shack at a nearby LinuxCon or HamFest. 
You can email us if you so desire at info at lhspodcast.info or you can leave us a voicemail at 1909LHSshow. That's 1909-547-7469. If you want to talk to us, we're around or somebody is around most of the time over on IRC. That's pound LHS podcast on the Freenode Network if you're an IRC junkie. Subscribe to our mailing list. The link is over at the website. We also have show merchandise you can buy from copy mugs to Android covers with uh, a badger on them if you like, uh, or with our official Tuxi mascot. You can find that stuff at cafepress.com slash LHS podcast or printfection.com slash LHS podcast. You can also help out the show by clicking on the sponsored ads on the right-hand column of the website. That website, by the way, is lhspodcast.info, if we haven't said it enough up till now. You can listen live every other Monday at 8 p.m. Central Time, even to Pete, who's scratching on his mic because he's not muted. Sorry. (laughs) At uh, 8 p.m. Central Time, which I think I already said. Every other Monday, every other Monday, 8 p.m. Central Time. That's Tuesdays, 0200 Zulu Time. The recording schedule and the countdown timer are on the website, as is all the information you ever wanted to know about the show and probably a bunch you didn't. So thank you to everybody who listened. Thank you to all of our live listeners, those of us hanging out in the chat room tonight and listening to the live stream. You can do that, too, next time if you want. Uh, and for all our past, present, and future listeners, we appreciate you. This is Russ, K5TUX, broadcasting live from between the peaks in the pine forest of north central Arkansas. And that's Pete up there in Montreal. Wave bye, Pete. Bye, Pete. All right. And that's Cheryl up in Missouri. Say goodbye. Bye-bye. And we'll catch you all next time. See yas. Me and Baloney have a long history.